Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 220 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, we are coming to you a day later after the smackdown or the ass whooping that the uh, Sacramento Kings gave to the gave to the Lakers. Um, and yeah, they basically took them to the Smackdown Hotel and just they basically beat the ever-loving shit out of them. They ba- they almost beat them by 50. Now, they, now, now, of course, they didn't get to 50, but it was close. <laughs> they were, it was close. A, a few Hail Mary threes at the end kind of took it away from us. But yes, it was an ass whooping uh, by the Sacramento Kings. So good on them. Yeah, any win against the Lakers is a, probably a double win for us. <laughs> and uh, if you're wondering why we're actually coming a day later, uh, Fong did say actually on the podcast, uh, or the last episode that we were going to be at this game. I- I'll be honest. I actually forgot we were going to this game until you mentioned it to us literally no. on air. That's why I was a little bit stunned. That's why I was a little bit kind of like stunned for some reason, but yes, we did go to this game and it was a sellout crowd. It was a very fun atmosphere. Yeah, definitely. Especially seeing, uh, LeBron, uh, for, I believe your first time and for me, my second time but i kind of don't count the last time because i barely could see him from the nosebleeds when i last saw him and you saw him when he was in cleveland so that was, that's re that's way back in the day yeah i, I want to say it was his last year in cleveland or maybe the year before maybe it was it was just yeah it was a blowout well it, well anyways like yeah this is the first time i've ever seen lebron and just the, like i've never again i've never seen lebron before i just I am like, even though, you know, I've seen LeBron like for like forever on TV, it is different seeing him in person. It's different when like, you know, you have the whole Lakers team come out and everyone's cheering. But when they see LeBron James come out, the cheers, everyone kind of rose to their feet. There's just like a special attention, a special almost, I don't want to say privilege, but that's what it almost feels like when LeBron is in the same building as you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's for sure. It's like, He's the kind of guy, unless you're like a specific fan, that you, you can't really boo LeBron because he's he's just that kind of player. And one of the other funny things, I think like LeBron did a windmill like during warmups. And then I think Thomas Bryant did like a 360 windmill. Or no, so LeBron did a windmill. Everyone's like, oh shit, LeBron just did a windmill. Thomas Bryant does like a 360 windmill. There was no reaction. There's just something funny about that. <laughs> but like, yes, first time I've ever seen LeBron. Like, I, I wish we saw him more in the game, but like, it, it is a special privilege to see LeBron. And it is also the first time I've ever seen Russell Westbrook. Mm, yeah, for me, for Russell, I, I can't remember last time for him, but I mean, sadly, didn't get to see him that much uh, this game, really. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about that in a bit. But yes, uh, just overall great atmosphere, a full house, by the way, like just under 18,000 people. I'll be honest, I don't love these sellout crowds, at least not when I'm there, because it's crowded as shit. Like, it's so crowded, so packed. And like, just we were trying to just walk around like the, the what we call the campus, trying to just walk around the perimeter. Yeah, the perimeter, like it was so hard to make one full circle. It took us 12 minutes to walk the full circle. And if you've been in the arena, it's not exactly like a huge walking distance, but like it took us 12 fucking minutes to like get from, you know, our seat and one round back to our seat. It was that crowded. 
Oh yeah, it's like it wasn't even stop and go traffic. It's like there was no right or left way. It, it just had like a bunch of uh, incoming traffic uh, from all sides, really. But overall, very very fun atmosphere. This is there is something special about the Kings Lakers rivalry, even though. Like, let's be honest, not a real rivalry for the most part because the Kings haven't been good for a while. But, like, this year, we're around the same level. So, like, at this point, this is going to be a really fun uh, – this is going to be a really fun rivalry this year. And I was surprised. No fights, at least not as far as I know. But it, it got contentious, it felt, for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it seems like most of the Lakers fans are, you know, pretty uh... – I guess you could say understanding for the most part, since, you know, they are still Sacramento crowd and, you know, probably somewhere deep in their hearts, they are still Kings fans. Hopefully we, there, we, we sat next to a, a Russell Westbrook fan and I did, I did feel bad for him because Russ didn't really play. He, I mean, I thought he played okay, but like the Lakers team was so bad that each time he just, he just like was happy that the Lakers just made a play. Like, I don't, I'm not even throwing shade at him. I just kind of snickered. I'm like, you down 30. Good, <laughs> good, good job. You're down 27 now. Like, it's, it, I did kind of feel bad a little bit because, like, it was such a bad drumming. And, like, yeah. again, like, you know, it is preseason. There's only so much you can take away from it. But when you get blown out by 50, it's never good. Oh, yeah. And you, there was also some Lakers fans that, you know, cheered for even the third string guys, which, they did, some of them did okay, but it's like compared to our dirt string guys, it, it wasn't enough. Not not to brag or anything. I mean, we were introduced to Jay Huff. That man, he can play. Maybe he becomes something down the line. Yeah, and Matt Ryan. Who, Matt Ryan. By the I, way, <laughs> there was there was two white guys. There was number thirty seven, and I think Matt Ryan's like number twenty. We could not, we like not even trying to be racist or anything. We couldn't tell them apart. Like, you know, from far away is two white guys that can shoot, but only one was making shots. So that's how we actually told, like figured out which one was Matt Ryan, which one was the other guy, which is Cole Swider, Switter. Yeah. I mean, look at their bot scores. I mean, he doesn't even have a picture. Matt Ryan? No, uh, Cole Switter, Swider, Switter. Really? For, on NBA.com, I, I only have a picture for Matt Ryan, but I have a picture for Cole Swider. That's so weird. I'm on ESPN. That's why. Oh. Matt Ryan, uh, this, I think that's a Celtics jersey. He's green right now. I, I don't know. But yeah, like it was, it was like we saw more. We have honestly have more notes about the uh, about the Lakers third guy, third string guys, as opposed to their like main guys, because their main guys just didn't play much because they they figured out pretty quick. This was pretty hopeless. Yeah, like without Anthony Davis, who was out on an injury, uh, Dennis Schroeder. I mean, I I didn't yep. even know he was in the team to be honest. And you wouldn't know he he was playing. Let's be honest. Like, yeah, it wouldn't matter. It would not have mattered. And uh, I guess Lonnie Walker could have contributed a little, but I don't think it would have been enough uh, against uh, this Kings uh, defense and offense. That was another thing I thought the whole time. Shaquille Harrison was Lonnie Walker. Oh. He, he wasn't he was indeed not Lonnie Walker because I was looking at it, I was like Lonnie Walker's not left-handed. Why is he like shooting with his left? And then it was a janky ass shot. So yeah, uh just we weren't we weren't like in the nosebleeds. We were we were decently close, but not close enough to the point where you could see everything. So that's why we couldn't figure out some of these things. So uh, again, a really fun game to be. And also it's broken my streak. Uh, it's the first win I've been to since 
uh, Kings versus Blazers, I think in January of 2019. That's how long it's been. Yeah, and for me, I, I gotta have to look back, but it's been a while as well. But yeah, hopefully for me, <laughs> we'll see a a win in uh, I guess the actual season because I mean, not gonna lie, this is still preseason. Yeah, I mean, like, do, does it count? Does it not? You know what? Why not? Just to bring some good vibes. Like it's been, it was miserable last year. You know what? Let, let, we got something to go for. And we'll talk about the 4-0 and thing uh, a little bit later. But, like, you know what? You beat the shit out of the Lakers. Lakers fans were so quiet <laughs> after the game. It was honestly ominous. And, uh, yeah, like, you know what? A win's a win. And it's nice to just be in bask in that glory, finally, mm-hmm. after three years for me. Yeah, especially seeing LeBron play, I guess, technically three quarters, <laughs> if you could even say that. Yeah, I didn't realize he ended up four for 13. It felt like he was a lot more efficient. Like, the shots he made were nice. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, four for 13. Oh, yeah. All right, let's actually talk about the game. So, again, like, you know, long story short, like, Kings basically came out swinging. The Lakers just, the way they're constructed, they either, like, they don't have much spacing. And, like, even, so, like, they don't have much space to get to the rim. And even when they get to the rim, they miss shots. Like, they miss so many layups this game. Like, you know, outside of, like, Damian Jones, which is, like, you know, the only guy that I felt played well on the – he was one for four, really. Felt like he was a lot better than that. But, like, mm. he was the only guy, like, re- like actually getting, like, into the paint and, like, at least kind of finishing. But then, like, everyone else was kind of shit on the team. Uh yeah, pretty much. It, it's like it's either LeBron or Austin Reeves that you know try to contribute to that um what you call starting lineup. Other than that, I mean uh what you call Demontis kind of ate up uh Damian Jones for pretty much half of that first quarter really, and uh yeah they couldn't even hit that many layups or shots uh for even long stretches. I can't even remember a stretch that they even hit like two bat-to-bat shots. Yeah. Like I think so like the game, like after the first quarter, they were down 13 and it only got worse for the Lakers after that. The Kings just came out swinging. Like it's a Montes, like goes into the post against Damien. Damien is not too small for him, but he's just, he's not strong enough to hold off a Sabonis and Sabonis. Like he was throwing elbows in there. Like I felt bad for Damien on some of those plays where he's just getting bodied by uh, Sabonis. And then like De'Aaron's attacking him. And then, yeah, just every, everyone on the Kings just contributed. Like Malik Buck started out a bit slow, but he hit a three in a guy's face and it never really looked bad. De'Aaron was just being De'Aaron and like KZ kind of just, like, while he wasn't, like, you know, an offensive, like, juggernaut or anything, he was, like, timing up his cuts really well. Like, he was contributing. And every everyone was just, you know, firing on all cylinders and hitting. Like, the Lakers just never had a chance. Yeah. Like, from my takeaway from the Kings side, like, the defense is definitely weeks better than, like, from last season and the season before. Probably the best season that we've seen defense from the Kings in a long while. And, uh, you know, another thing is not many ISO plays. The only ISO plays I could even remember are, you know, from Davion. And that's only like one or two shots, really, uh, that he tried uh, making something. And, you know, even though it worked out for him, I mean, it, 
<laughs> it's better him than I guess uh, having ISO twenty four seven. Yeah, and like it's just like you know before we even talk about like the half court offense. Half court offense was pretty good. Like the ball swinged a lot. Like they got penetration. But what really killed the Lakers and how the Kings got out to those leads? Fast breaks. The Kings like played really really fast. They forced turnovers. Like LeBron, LeBron wasn't great passing the ball this game. Like we were actually making fun of making fun of the fact that he had to pass at Damian Jones, and Damian was pretty good for the most part. But like each time he dropped the ball, we just said, "Oh, there you go, there you go, Lakers fans, have fun with Damian Jones." Mm-hmm. And it's he actually got listed for zero turnovers. Uh, there was one very specific one where like I'm just is the Damian Jones experience, and like. Every every turnover felt like it led to a three, and like that's when the Kings got going. And again, never looked back after that. Like just just the half court offense was good enough. But then you add to the fact that they were just getting fast break points left and right. It just it, it was just a dominant showing. Again, they took the Lakers to the SmackDown Hotel and just beat the shit out of them, basically. Oh yeah, and looking at the percentages, it. It felt like we shot a lot better than 48.9% from the field compared to uh, the Lakers, 35.8. Like Malik Mug is like one of the most, one of the weirdly misleading guys. Like, so I always like say like Keegan Murray feels like he's not forcing anything. And that like, he just seems to always shoot like four for five from three. Like, even though it doesn't feel like he's shooting that well. For some reason, Malik Mug has the opposite effect where it feels like he's shooting really well, but then I look at the box where he's two for seven. Like, huh? I thought he was like four for seven or something. Yeah, I guess. I, I remember some of his shots were uh, in transition and he tried to make, you know, that Buddy-esque uh, quick three. And, you know, I trust him more than Buddy, to be honest, uh, with that kind of shot. But, uh, you know, with the misses he makes, I mean, it, it we got make made up with um another shot from elsewhere and then also like you look at offensive rebounding like it felt like the kings got a lot of offensive rebounds and they and they did like compared to the lakers they got four they got 14 the lakers only got six so like even when they miss like the kings would somehow snag the offensive rebound it's not like just sabonis it's like the rest of the team like um harrison i think had two on one possession and and let out to an open three like they just it was just a dominant showing and it was just one of those games like it's a combination of a little bit of luck but like one team fought harder and everything just kind of went their way and they took advantage Mm -hmm. oh yeah that's for sure yeah sorry if we're like talking like just almost like in generalities like we didn't take notes we were just enjoying the game so like this is just what we kind of remember off the top of our head for the most part fong told me that you know he he watched the highlights but it's different when you're there. You're like you're just basking in the glory of the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Like definitely like this is the first, you know, I guess game you could say that we watched live for this oh like new squad, even though we don't we didn't see Herder or Murray or Kata on the floor. I mean, just how they swing the ball around and play their defense and collapse to the rim. It, it's just something you don't expect the Kings to do, really. Yeah, it's like, look, I don't want to like overreact, but this this Kings team, it does feel a little different. It feels like there's something there. Like, granted, I said that last year, which we'll talk about later, but there's a new vibe. There's just 
again, like last year, they, like they went four and zero in the preseason too, but like a lot of them were close games when they didn't need to be close game. In this preseason, they're blowing teams out like by a lot. Like they blew out the Blazers, they blew out the Lakers twice, and up, the Suns is a, is kind of a different story. But I like the starters actually bl- kind of started to blow them out towards the end. At least, like there's something there to take away from this, and you know, again, the vibes are so positive for the Kings right now because, well, like they're coming out and taking care of business. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so let's talk about KZ and Shima. So KZ did not play at all in the Phoenix game, and Mike Brown gave the uh, reasoning why was because he knew he knows what KZ is going to bring, so he wanted to see what Trey Lyles could bring in the starting lineup. Well. This game, he wanted to see what KZ had again. And KZ, as I said, he is a defensive stopper. Like, he really, I, I don't want to say he locked up LeBron. Again, LeBron like, didn't attack him at all. But a sign of a good defender is when one of the best players in the league just doesn't want anything to do with you and tries to get a switch as quick as possible. Like, maybe there's just something about, about you know, him never getting attacked by LeBron because LeBron doesn't want to attack him. He's he's a great defender. He always he always ended up going for switches and yeah, again, it just felt like KZ was doing a really really good job of being a pest no matter who he is guarding and it really stands out when LeBron does not attack him. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, he's he's really at the right place at the right time either, you know, oh wait, never mind. He didn't even grab a single rebound. <laughs> I, I thought he did uh, pretty well on rebounding, but I guess I guess not. We had issues with the box. So, like, for those of you that went online uh, last night, the box score was not available basically for a good few hours. There was, like, a glitch. And, you know, everyone made the joke, like, you know, the, the whoever was keeping track of the box score does not want, like, want this, want the details of how the Kings handed the Lakers their ass in this game. But, yeah, like, the box score was very glitchy. Like, I'm looking at uh, technical fouls. JTA got a t- technical in the game, but it doesn't show in the in like the team stats. So I don't know what that's about. It's very janky. I'll just say. Mm, well, I guess I'll take these bot scores with a grain of salt. But uh, yeah, definitely KZ uh, defensive wise, he's he's a defensive player for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Chima Moneki. Chima Moneki, he came out in the second quarter, like not during like garbage time, but in the second quarter, and he drew the assignment of guarding LeBron. Now he got hit with some mean screens. Uh, they had some, <laughs> the Lakers had some against them for some reason. And just like screen, like really like bricked Walden like multiple times. But Kate, but Chima kept fighting. Although I will say he's not, he was not good on LeBron. Like LeBron kind of just, he's too small for LeBron. LeBron kind of got by him a few times. And Harrison also didn't have any, didn't have any success on LeBron. He forced them into jumpers, but he, it felt like, I think he nailed like every one of them. And Chima like still made LeBron work for it. And also like the, I think the real value with Chima is his off-ball defense, like just being in the right position. And and while he did get like kind of blown by by LeBron, he did make LeBron work for a little, little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, th- that's all to say, like, you know, he's a great, he's a he's a really good team defender. And if the def- and if the team defense holds up, like I think he can be a real asset as like a wing stopper. Like, you know, when you can like kind of slow down LeBron a little bit, that's all you can ask for. Yeah. Like even though he wasn't, you know, 
the top tier defender for LeBron. I mean, at least uh, with the health defense with the other team, like you could see how everyone kind of collapsed on LeBron, try to drive to the rim, and you know LeBron can't do anything other than pass it out to and hopefully open guy in the three point area mm-hmm. and an open guy that can't shoot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there was, I don't, <laughs> there wasn't really many guys out on the field uh, with LeBron that can uh, hit a three other than maybe Austin Reeves. I maybe think Kendrick, Patrick Beverly. Like, yeah. Kendrick like, Nunn had some moments. Yeah, he did. Other than that, like, <laughs> they didn't hit many threes for sure. Look, like, I made this comment to you. I, I it's not. It probably isn't true. But, like, when AD and LeBron are your best shooters, that's not a good thing. Like they they're not like knockdown shooters. They're more volume guys than anything. And this team's gonna have a hard time. Like, granted, they're not healthy. Like again, AD did not play this game, and no doubt he makes a difference in this game. And you know, maybe they even win this game. But I could easily go come back and say we didn't have Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray this game, and mm-hmm. they would have made a difference in this game. No, no doubt. So it's like this is going to be a rough one. If they're not going to make the buddy heel, the mouse turner trade, I think the Kings are going to leapfrog the Lakers and the port and Portland. Oh yeah. Like I, I highly doubt LeBron and AD can, which I'm going to call it play full time just to keep up with other teams because the rest of the team for the Lakers is not, not so I don't, I, I, don't, I wouldn't trust them to maintain the, uh, their score of anything. Well, you don't trust Russell Westbrook to make a difference off the bench. Yeah, <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to see uh, what you would call it, Russ start so we could hear those boos when he gets announced. Well, we did hear him when he checked in. Like, they, they booed him. I don't know if that's Kings fans or Lakers fans. I ought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel – I'm sorry I'm to feel sorry for Russ. It's a lot of just – it's a lot of hate going towards his way. And there was one play where they kicked the ball out to him with a shot clock winding down, and he's open for a three. But everyone in the building knows he is pro- he doesn't want to shoot that three. And you can he- you can just feel the atmosphere. Like, you know, his confidence has been shaken. You can tell. And, like, he can't be in a great headspace. And, like, it is getting to the point where I am feeling sorry for him. Oh, Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, he he only really shot two threes this game, and both of them misses. And although I will say, I don't think he was bad in his five minutes in this game. Like you know, he was like trying he was like trying to find the open man. He he had a few passes to Damian Jones. He's not trying to force the layup, which is a good thing. Like he, you know, the one thing like Russ is good at is he is very good at getting to the rim. Now, what whatever he does at the rim is a whole other story. But he can get to the rim and collapse the defense, and he was looking to pass this game. So, like, you know, there are there are pieces that could work uh, with him. Are they gonna? Are they actually gonna work? Probably not. But like, there's something there. And unfortunately, he did exit the game with left hamstring injury. Um, hopefully, he's okay. Um, there, I did make a joke like, you know, James Harden went down with a hamstring strain, quote unquote, before he got traded traded to uh, Philly. So. I don't know. I, hopefully, hopefully Russ is okay. Well, you know, I have at this point, it's getting to the point where I think the the pendulum has swung a little too far in the Russ hate train. Oh yeah, I mean, we'll have to see when the season starts to see his, I guess, new reprise role for the Lakers. But for now, I guess we will have to wait. 
Um, we mentioned that the like one of the key reasons why the Lakers absolutely sucked, other than just their spacing and just honestly, let's be honest, lack of talent. They kept missing layups. Like everyone, like there were like multiple fast break layups missing point blank, and it just killed them because you miss a layup. The other team gets a layup and the Kings are playing fast. They will find those layups. And, you know, they were making hustle plays too. So credit to the Kings, but everyone missed layups. Like Patrick Beverly missed a wide open one off of a LeBron pass. And then LeBron missed some layups. Like it was just an odd game, like at the, at the rim for the or for the Lakers. Yeah. I, I wonder, is there a stat where there's like, I don't think there is like a missed easy way uh, stat because it would have been pretty high for the Lakers this game. I'm trying to look at like the map of the makes like the box score is so janky. Like there isn't like a T there isn't like a play-by-play or anything like that. So I, 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 I can't find it. And maybe it's mm. preseason or maybe it's, they just don't, they like, maybe the powers that be just don't want you to know how bad the Lakers played this game. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I see the, whatchamacallit, the chart. It, it doesn't look, too bad in the Lakers' favor. I mean, definitely lots of missed threes <laughs> on the Lakers' side, uh, but it's pretty 50-50 when it, came, it comes to, like, within the rim. Yeah. Um. Th- so the layups, just they just killed the Lakers, and it only just made things even worse for them. Again, they almost lost by 50. They lost by 47 at the end, but, like, it, it should have been a 50-point game. Like, that's mm-hmm. how bad they were playing, and, yeah, it's not it's not looking great for the Lakers. Uh we'll see what this turns into. Like it is just preseason. But so far, like the Kings look like a team, like a full team effort. Like there wasn't a guy that really stood out like in this game. Like De'Aaron had 21 and 21 and four. Like he let he let all scores, but like it never felt like he forced anything. And just everyone's playing within the flow, everyone's playing for each other, and everyone is just feeling the good vibes. Yeah, like in overall sense, I, I all I could say is the Kings played better in terms of everyone on the court. And shout out to Chemezi Metsu, though. He only played what? Let's see. He only played eight minutes, somehow three turnovers. And yeah, he had, he still has issues. Like he needs to iron out, like he shows the ball too easily. He gets he's like the one of the guys that gets stripped more often than I could ever imagine for a pro player. He needs to fix that stuff. Yeah. And sadly, this is during garbage time as well. So this is what the Lakers like third, fourth string guys uh playing against um our third string guys. So other than that, I mean, Matthew Dodova did pretty well uh, during garbage time, though. Yeah, uh, you know, he finally scored. Like both his layups were actually really nice layups. Or no, he had no, he had both. He had multiple shots. Like, yeah. The only thing is, like his janky ass Lonzo Ball three. I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Uh, I mean, he's probably not going to see too much playing time, maybe, but. Ah, I I wonder how he's doing as a whatchamacallit. I guess that kind of locker room guy for us. I mean, I imagine he's gonna be a, like a pretty good locker room leader. He's a he's a good character guy. Like he's been around, he has a lot of experience. And you know, he can probably talk of the guys like, you know, just as a locker room guy. Like he doesn't need to play, I don't think. Like just, you know, just do what he can and just show up to work, like, you know, mentor the young guys and just just, I think that could provide a lot of value. It's one of the things I wish, like, you know, we still have Bays more for, but 
Bazemore's gone now, so that that kind of falls a little bit on uh, Della Vadova to take on that role. Mm-hmm. Oh, and another guy, Keon Ellis, even though he played almost just about the same amount of minutes as Matthew, four for seven, three for five from three as well. Uh, in terms of defense, I, I don't remember much from him, to be honest. Well, like, I, I think his defense is good, is really, really good. Like, even when he gets blown by, you'll notice, like, he's usually leading the guy, like, angling the guy into help. So, like, mm-hmm. he's a good defender. His offensive game, I'm not the biggest fan of. Like, he he's a good shooter. As soon as he puts the ball on the ground, I cringe. <laughs> yeah. it, it's not, it, it's probably not going to get ironed out this year. But, like, if he can iron that out, he, like, a, a lineup with him and Davion, that is going to take out take out the two guards like on the other team. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be pretty interesting. Well, I mean, we this is still the first year of experimenting, in my opinion. Like we've seen a lot of different lineups that Mike Brown has put out for the preseason. So I'm kind of wondering what's going to be the actual starting lineup for us. Yeah, as it stands right now, I'm actually I'm a fan of the Casey Apollo lineup in the starting lineup mm. honestly mm. just because like my biggest one of my biggest like takeaways from like the king's off season like this is before we knew like what shima and casey apollo was is that you need someone to somebody need to play defense like kevin herter can't can't guard everybody De'Aaron fox can't guard everybody well he, he doesn't try basically sabonis is no rim protector you need guys out there and to play defense and KZ's that guy. He is that guy. Now, the the issue with him is, is like, you know, can he space the floor? Can he, like, time up his cuts? A lot like a Mo Harkless. Like, he's, he's pretty good at that. But in this game, he started hitting threes. Now, that's hopeful. Like, he's going to get some really wide-open threes, and it's on him to, like, make them. And in this game, he did. And if he can make threes, he is a huge asset to this team. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He is. He will be. He will be this year's. He will be basically what Jared Vanderbilt was for the Minnesota Timberwolves, where a guy that is just an incredible defender with some real offensive limitations, but helps you so much on defense that it cancels out every kind of negative that he brings on offense. Mm-hmm. I guess we shall see. All right. Since we are recording this the next day after the game, some news has happened. Uh, there have been some uh, roster moves. Um, basically, the three guys that, well, the two guys that were signed uh, to the Kings the other day uh, was Wes Iwandu and Jordan Ford. They've been waived. Um, that was actually that was actually last night, but they were immediately waived. They will be joining Stockton. I don't remember what the specifics were. I think they were actually traded to to the Stockton Kings, if I remember right. Oh. You could do that. <laughs> Trade from yeah. an NBA to a G League. Well, no, no. So they were actually from another G League team, and they got traded because we lost. I believe it was Matt Coleman. I believe. I don't remember the specifics. We traded someone. The Stockton Kings traded someone to them, and they gave back Wesley Wando. I'm, I'm not sure about Jordan Ford, but like they got traded to the Stockton Kings. It, either way, they they temporarily put them on the rot. They quote unquote signed them to the main roster, the Sacramento Kings, and then immediately waived them. So they go down to Stockton. Huh. I believe yeah. they signed Exhibit Ten contracts, which I don't know the specifics of that either. There's a lot of stuff, but basically they're with the Stockton Kings now. <laughs> it's basically where it, all you need to know. 
Oh, okay. I mean, contrast aside, as long as they're getting paid big money, that's all I care about. Uh, and also, it because they quote unquote signed and waived Wes Iwandu and Jordan Ford, they all of a sudden had two extra uh, roster spots. So they used those two roster spots and they signed Jariah Horde and Alex O'Connell. And they were actually at the game against the Lakers. They didn't get to play, but they were at the game. Hmm. So wait, but they're not going to be our 14th and 15th spot, right, for the main roster? Well, you just you jumped ahead because today they waved <laughs> they waved him again. And also, uh, in addition, they waved Sam Merrill like a lot of people were anticipating because this team has a lot of guards. It was just hard to see where Sam Merrill was going to fit. By the way, seeing Sam Merrill in person, even in, on TV, like he's listed at 6'5". He looks like he's 6'3". Mm, yeah, he he definitely was kind of like a guard. Like I mean, I think it's because of his maybe he's skinny. <laughs> he he is a skinny dude, and like yeah, he he looks like he looks like a shooter. He looks like you know a t- tinier white guy, if you will. Like mm-hmm. he almost I don't want to say he looks like Kyle guy size. He's probably bigger than Kyle. He's definitely bigger than Kyle guy, but he looked kind of like a bigger Kyle guy. It was mm-hmm. what it looked. He could shoot. And, you know, but unfortunately, like, you have a roster that just has, it has shooters already. And, but you know, no shade to Sam Merrill. They're better than him. And there's just isn't enough room for another guard. Like, that's, you know, a defensive liability. And also just with a skill that, you know, the team is kind of, you know, that has more than enough of already. So there was never, it never really made sense why they really signed him in the first place. So, like, it was kind of an expectation that he was going to get waived. Oh, yeah. Um, So, yeah, that was basically the roster moves. Um, Yeah, so basically the Kings signed a a bunch of people, a few people, then then immediately waived them. So now you have basically a full roster. So the guys that ended up, like, that could have been cut uh, that are now going to be part of the team, uh, Matthew Dovodova, Casey Alpala, and Shima Moneki. My guy Chima Moneki, like I was, ho- I was really hoping he would make the roster. And there was a, there was a little bit of, I guess, fear from NBA Twitter and even from me. Like, I guess, like if the Kings want to, they might want a veteran, a veteran presence in the locker room, and just to kind of jazz up the guys and a guy with more experience. They would have gone with Ken Bazemore, but instead they waived Bazemore, uh, they waived uh, Quinn Cook, and they now they waived Sam Merrill and Chima Moneki makes the team. Hmm. I guess <laughs> I, that's a good thing, right? I I love I like Shiba Moneki. Like his offensive game is a bit of a mess. Like he he tried to do way too much during the game, and I th- did not love did not love it. He's got to be able to finish if you're going to try try some of that shit that he tried. But like he's a very smart defender, great personality. If you didn't listen to him talk, he's like very very confident, but it's not cocky. And he's a guy that like knows his role, is not going to try and do too much. And just, again, a great, a really good instinctual smart defender who just knows to be in the right place, knows his role. And, you know, it, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be fun. And mm. I, I really liked him. I really, w- I was really hoping for him to make the roster and now he has. And, you know, let's see if he, he turns into something. Oh yeah. I guess we shall see. By the way, he is from UC Davis. If you guys are into that stuff, I, I did not go to UC Davis, so I have no connection to UC Davis. But, you know, it, it's in SAC. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's close <laughs> enough. 
yeah that is <laughs> it's just pretty local to us for sure okay uh the other piece of news um keegan murray is now in health and safety protocols mm. even though he was out of this game with a non-covid illness but he is in health and safety protocols and i believe that does i guess that i guess it doesn't always mean covid but i think that means covid <laughs> yeah i mean what what other <laughs> i guess um illness can you put under health and safety protocol because I don't think I've ever heard of this until COVID was a thing. I don't know either, but uh, he, so there's no confirmation whether he will make the, uh, make opening night or not, but he will miss Fan Fest for sure, which is uh, tomorrow, Sunday on the 16th. Mm. So sorry for anyone that bought tickets hoping to see Keegan Murray. He unfortunately will not be there. Well, ain't that thing, I guess. Uh, Well, I can guarantee you who's going to be there. Shima Moneki. Mm, you get to I, I would love to meet Chima Moneki if I could but I'm not going so you know we'll, we'll we'll see what happens with that but yeah hopefully he's able to show play soon because he might mean a lot to this team yeah I I really think so too but uh, I I just hope that he's gonna be healthy by the time he comes back for sure like they didn't miss him at all in the Laker game, but like in the Suns game, I just kept thinking, like if Keegan could have just came in and scored a few extra buckets, does that lift the burden off the off the rest of the Kings' shoulder? Because the thing with them is that he is gonna just for some for some reason just add points. He's just gonna put numbers on the on the box score somehow and mm-hmm. not force anything. And so like uh, he he gives the team a lift. So. We might need that, like, on opening night when, like, Portland all of a sudden maybe just decides to get their shit together and just start nailing threes. Like, they have Dane. Like, let's not underestimate the Blazers. They did add Jeremy Grant and stuff like that. And there, there is a there is a real possibility they whooped the Kings' ass on opening night. Like, not trying to knock on wood or anything, but we need all the firepower we can get, and I hope Keegan can get back in time. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, one guy we didn't really get to talk about that much during the game, Rashawn Holmes was like, I thought he was really good this game. There were some clunky moments where it just felt like they were, at, it was either him or Alex Len. Like they, they try to move the ball around and how the new offense works is that uh, Alex Len or Rashawn Holmes would immediately try and scream for them. But there was like some clunkiness, some miscommunication. But other than like than a few moments, I thought Rashawn was really good as just, you know, keeping things, things simple, getting putbacks. Play, getting hustle plays, basically doing what made him such a beloved figure in Sacramento. Yeah, definitely in terms of his offense. Um, I mean, there's no Tyrese anymore, so he can't do his infamous uh, floater. I guess the, the great the floater of awesomeness. Yeah. So I mean, we we got we got to see it once, but I mean, it didn't go in. But um, yeah, definitely a reprised role for him, but. I mean, for the better, really. I mean, the whole team as a whole it is a lot better surrounding him, in my opinion. And yeah, good thing that uh, he's still with us, really. Yeah. And uh, James Ham on uh, ESPN 1320, um, I, I guess didn't review. He's mentioned it before, but Mike Brown apparently really, really likes Rashawn. So much so. The, to the point where the Kings apparently had trades kind of like they were going to explore a trade for him and, you know, just, you know, trade him somewhere else just to try and recoup something back. But apparently Mike Brown actually like he, 
he basically told the front office, like, I want Rashawn here. And the plan originally from the front office was to keep Damian Jones, actually, mm. and just trade Rashawn. And ultimately, they they let uh, Damian Jones go and just kept Rashawn. And, you know, hopefully he does get a chance because I think his ultimate, like, I don't want to say it's his destiny, but he is, his best role is that as is as a big backup big man unless he's on a team with a lot of talent to the point where him being an undersized five doesn't really hurt the team because that's what he really is. He's an undersized five and like he can get kind of punked by some, by the bigger brutes of the, uh, of the league. And, you know, he's an, he's definitely overqualified to be a backup, but that might be his best role. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder what kind of trades we could have gotten for. And that, for, in my opinion, he's definitely a huge improvement over Damon Jones. And I would highly <laughs> would have kept Holmes than Damien, to be honest, even though we're saving, what, maybe $10 million in the, what you would call it, in cash? I think around like, I think around, yeah, around there, like I want to say eight because I think Rashawn earns around 11 and Damien signed, I think a five or a two, two year, $5 million contract, which is nothing like really. Mm-hmm. So, you know, well, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't hate it. Like Rashawn is better than, is better than Damien. There, there's no doubt about that. And again, somebody needed to play defense on this roster and, you know, before last year, like, Rashawn was a good, like, defensive big, you know? So, like, I think it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. He's definitely a little bit, uh, like, a, he's definitely a luxury, to say the least. And, you know, if I could, I would have, like, tried to explore something with the Clippers because they don't have a backup big. And, mm-hmm. like, Rashawn would be perfect on that team. Mm. Well... I mean, Mike Brown decided that he wanted him here, and here we're at, I guess. Yeah, we'll see how, like, things are optimized. I do want to see him with uh, Sabonis, just because, like, it look, spacing be damned sometimes. Like, if you can get really good defense out of that, it can make up for some lackluster spacing. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. I don't think Mike Brown will be able to see that happen. Apparently, they haven't even done it in, a pra- in practice before, so... I don't know. Like, I don't think it's going to be much of a thing, but, you know, like, hopefully Rashawn can find a rule because he is a good player. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All right. That's uh, that's basically all I have for the Kings section. All right. In other news around the NBA, very Warrior-centric, uh-huh. uh, ap- after getting knocked out by Draymond Green, which honestly probably upped his price a little bit because, the war- because he could have said, like, he could have just went to the uh, Warriors front office. Like, if I got to deal with Draymond, y'all better pay me and pay him. He pay him. They did. Uh, Jordan Poole signs a $140 million uh, four-year extension uh, with the Warriors. Uh, $123 million of that is guaranteed. So the rest of the $17 million is in likely slash unlikely incentives. I don't know what the incentives are, but yes, he does ink a pretty... Honestly, I think it's almost an underpaid. Well, no, it's around it's around what he should be paid. Uh, you know, extension, 140 million over four years. What do you think? It's quite a lot of money for sure, but definitely for a player like him, like you said, he, he's got to be paid that much. And it's about what almost 30 somewhat mil a year. Uh so I think it starts 
Oh, I actually don't know the figure. It's around there. If I do my math right, yeah, it should be around like three million. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, uh, man, with all the guy, other guys in the Warriors, um, what you call roster, uh, how's that going to be adding up to the, you know, so they don't go over the cap, I guess. Oh, they're over the cap. No, that it's a it's a thing called bird rights. Um, it's not about being over the cap so much. It's more about how much luxury tax they're going to pay at this uh, point. And Bobby Marks put, um, posted a tweet. So this year, apparently, they paid one hundred and seventy million extra dollars in luxury tax. Oh, their their payroll was like one hundred and sixty million, mind you. So like that's on top of like everything. So Bobby Marks projected that by 2324, the the luxury tax for the Warriors, just the luxury tax. That, that doesn't include payroll. Oh, no, it no, it does include payroll. It's gonna be okay. So including payroll and the luxury tax, they're gonna pay $483 million. Oh in the 2324, uh 2324 season really mm -hmm. just for that one season just for that one season that's crazy jeez it, it, it's part of a thing called the repeater tax basically every year you're in you're over the cap uh you basically your your tax money goes up like it, it, i forgot what the exact like um number is like literally for every dollar that the uh warriors spend over the cap it's like seven times more for the luxury tax it's crazy yeah, that's that's pretty ridiculous, <laughs> to be honest. Look, you're a championship team. You charge exorbitant prices for your new arena. If if there's any team that can justify paying this shit, it's the Warriors. I don't feel bad for them at all. Uh, yeah. Well, you think they'll be able to go back to the championship within the next four years? Why not? I think I pick. I'll pick them to win the championship this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a feeling too, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> well, another piece that uh, just inked another deal with the Warriors to keep their championship core going. Andrew Wiggins signs a one hundred and nine million dollar four year extension. Uh, the only, I guess, thing uh, note uh, a note on that con on that extension. The fourth year is a player option. Hmm. Yeah, for some reason, I thought Wiggins already is paid a lot of money. Not oh, he is. Lie. He is. It's just an extra extension on top of that. <laughs> He's getting paid, like, I think, like 30 something million this year because of his. He got, he got the rookie max uh, from the Timberwolves. Yeah. So, like, yes, basically. that He's going to earn, like, I think 23 million this, like, next year. And like I think he's already 35 this year. And then next year he's gonna earn like 20 something, 23 million, I believe, was the number I read. Basically, great extension. <laughs> Honestly, again, you just pay Jordan Poole like 140 million. And Wiggins is arguably more important than Poole in the mm -hmm. playoffs. And you just signed him to a bit of a discount, if you will. Like I thought he was gonna command like somewhere in the 30, at least in the 30 millions, but He's willing to take a discount for this team. He found a fit on this team. He he loves it here. They love him. Like, you know what? Great job. Great deal for everyone involved. Yeah, for sure. Like, after, like before him coming to Warriors, I mean, what else can he really do out in the league? 
Well, there I think I think he can play he can do well on a lot of other teams. It's just that it's more of like, is he motivated to? Mm. And that's that's unfortunately something you can just never measure. And honestly, something you never want to say about a guy you pay 30 goddamn million dollars for, which is why like he's a bit of a tricky one. But after winning a championship, I think he would have had suitors. I see. But the, that Warriors inking the inking him to this kind of deal, that's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. And you know, he gets paid. Uh no, no, no sign of Draymond getting the extension, uh, as far as I know. So yeah. I don't I don't know what that situation is gonna be. But you know what? Good on them for signing these two guys to extensions. Yeah, I guess we'll see what Draymond gets, like if he gets it, to be honest. What so like Draymond, I think, earns like 33 million this year, somewhere around there. He, he signed a 100 year, 100 million dollar extension a few years ago over three years. So, like, uh-huh. what would you expect his what would you expect his market to be? Like, just giving you a number, give me a number. Like, so 33 million is what he would earn, I think, this year. Mm, I think it should keep it the same to be honest for another two years maybe maybe three years have a player option in the last one yeah honestly (laughs) Draymond is tricky because like you just talked about how Wiggins only like maybe his fit isn't great on any team oh great on any team Draymond's fit only works with the Warriors like yeah. he's tr- so like the tricky part is like he he wants super max money he ain't getting that <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because he, he he was on the all nba f- first team all defense i believe so like he's eligible he ain't getting the super max and like normally what happens is that well he could command a max from another team and that's how you would make the warriors pay whatever you, the max is the issue with that ain't nobody pay like legitimately ain't nobody paying that max for him like some people were like talking well the the Warriors are going to pay Jordan Poole like 160 million because some other team is you can't make that argument for Draymond ain't nobody getting him that money Mm -hmm. yeah and even so would the Warriors you know pay that much for Draymond for the near future well the thing is like again I just I just made the argument there's no suitors out there for him that's Mm going to pay him that max so why do as the Warriors do you need to pay that mm. out of out of respect for Draymond for what he's done for you? Maybe, but he's also a giant fucking headache. I mean, he just he just punched a teammate in practice, like you know, very public, you know, publicly kind of got shamed, and he he is a he is. There's a lot of shit you got to deal with with Draymond. Uh, yeah. And when we'll see how many more years he could like forego with the Warriors because I'm I'm looking at a short term now after you know you know both his age and you know what he's done with Jordan Poole. Yeah, uh, I just I just don't know. He he's actually very reminiscent of Rodman to me in that like Rodman uh, value Rodman's value was very specific to the Bulls. And like with just the off the court shit that with Rodman, like one of Phil Jackson's most incredible accomplishments, but first of all, convincing Michael Jordan to like trust in his teammate. And then also somehow being able to, to kind of like keep Rodman under control. First of all, just being able to like communicate with him. Mm-hmm. Like he, 
you know, is the guys ahead, like Draymond and Rodman, they're both giant headaches that you just have to keep under control and are just so unpredictable that at a certain point, when that player becomes, I hate to say the word expendable because Draymond, he's he's going to like, I think he knows it too. Like he's going to drop off sooner or later. And once that drop off comes, the reality, he's going to get a hard reality check that they, the Warriors were only putting up with this bullshit because he was so, he's so good of a defender. If he slips a little bit, Steph might give him a little bit of a side eye. And what if Steph is, and once that support is gone, he's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll see if he gets an extension. I don't think he will. They'll probably play out this, this year and then see what happens. But, you know, they do need him. So, like, maybe maybe there is some value there. And the Warriors know this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we shall see. All right. Uh, last thing to, uh, we're going to go over, uh, just some well wishes to these guys. Uh, Nate Robinson just announced on Twitter that he is experiencing a renal, renal um, kidney failure. I'm, I'm not going to pretend what I, I know what that is. But Renee Robinson was a guy I absolutely loved back in the day on the Celtics on the bulls and the married of other teams. I really hope he gets well, you know, like he's, he's a really cool guy and, you know, just, yeah. Get well soon, Nate. Yeah. Let's hope so. And then also, uh, and really, really sad news. Uh, again, hopefully he gets better soon. Dikembe Mutombo uh, apparently has been diagnosed with a brain tumor. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Best of wishes to, to Dikembe Mutombo. He's been an absolute joy just over the years like just very funny guy giving us like so many so many just memories to to go off of and yeah hopefully he gets better soon oh man yeah let's hope so as well because that's that's nothing to fret against yeah okay um well sorry to end on that uh a weird note but uh but yes uh that is our episode for um for the lager game uh, sorry I had to came a, come a day late. That's what happens when we go to a live game. We don't want to do an episode right after because we're dead tired by the time we get back. But hopefully the, this, the extra news and, you know, this extra long episode, uh, like, you hopefully you guys liked it, liked it this way. Uh, and uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode. And if you're still listening, you know, double, doubly thank you. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys on the next episode. Hopefully I can get you a Naruto episode soon because I, I just can't find time right now, actually. It's, it's one of those weird things. I'm actually not just being lazy this time. There is actually a bit of a scheduling conflict with me right now, so I can't mm. do a Naruto episode. I mean, not going to lie, these next five episodes are, it, it's going to be a chore to, you know, push through for sure. I will try my best, but honestly, I can't guarantee you an episode comes before opening night. And no. might have to come I, after opening night, and that's where it gets tricky because there's games like every other day, and yeah, I just I, know. I don't know if I could fit that in. We'll we'll see what happens. I will try my best, but as far as it stands right now, thank you guys for listening up to this point. Uh, we will be giving you more more episodes, very frequent episodes once the season starts, and hopefully you enjoy the content we bring you uh, as this as this new season starts. Uh, we'll try to get better on our end. And hopefully you stick with us. Yep. Well, we'll see you guys later.